me, help me find my way Lost, lost, never found Hide your secrets, settle down I am young and I am naive Tell me something I will believe You got trouble And I got them too There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you If we stick together AirPod sharing. You can kind of think of this as a physical splitter that you used to be able to use with your headphone jack uh, to extend your single aux port into like five. There's a foot on the street that's a tide and it's coming in now. Yet the concrete burns at the back of your skull. And they say it's a way but it's Welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, steals all her music from her cool friend Shepard, and this is Mitchell Manley, Amy's cool friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the person that, um, like, I learn about vaporwave from, mm-hmm. and uh, what else have I learned about? Um, s- uh, sun sunshine sludge, yeah. also known as thunder pop, um, and we've learned the difference between hardcore and post hardcore a little bit. You know a little bit about what post punk and shoegaze is. Yeah, so we're getting there. We're we're broadening your horizons a little bit. We're we're totally getting there. And this this week's episode is really kind of actually the theme of our show, in many ways. Yeah, it is. But we started leaning into, I guess. Um, you know, we can't be with our friends, so might as well like either enjoy the music that our friends are sending us right now or that are associated with friends. Like, I don't know. How'd you word this? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, I, I didn't really put it in the prompt as, as much, but getting music from your friends is this very special bond. And, you know, I, I love sharing music with my friends and I love when my friends give me something that I really connect to. And the thing about sharing music with folks is that it doesn't hit every single time. But whenever it does hit, it just makes that song or that band extra special, and there's just something super cool about that. So I figured this week we could uh, we could talk about that and kind of get into that very special feeling that comes from bonding over a song with a friend, you know? Yeah, I, I guess it's also like you have that moment like cemented in your brain as well. It's not just like, oh, this is when I learned about this song or this band. It's this is this moment I had with my friend. And so when you hear the song, it kind of like brings it back and it makes it super, super freaking special. So Mitchell, what did you bring this week? All right, I'm gonna start us off with Borns and his song, 10,000 Emerald Pools.
backstory of this one involves my buddy and uh, our ear buddy, Christopher Lovelady. Uh, he and I have had many great conversations about music, and uh, along the way there have been several instances where he'd message me to tell me about a band or a song, but I had already heard it. And I remember, like, Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos was an example. I think Lord Huron was another example. And there were a few others, so it sort of became this inside joke that I had heard everything before he could find it. And so I think Chris kind of made it a goal to, like, catch me with my funk down so he could chalk up some points on the board. And one day, sure enough, he dropped this one in my lap. And although it's, like, a fairly simple song, it was new to me, and it's just relentlessly catchy and singable and the, the harmonies and the feel-good beachy vibe. So I just had it on repeat for weeks after I heard it. It. And you would probably think that Chris had like saved my life from how much he holds it over my head, but I can't begrudge him. You know, he, he earned the win and therefore earned those eternal bragging rights that he introduced me to something new that hooked me immediately. So great work, buddy. Uh, what I mean, this is such a, a straight up pretty song. It's so lovely and flowy. It's like um, if chiffon were a song, that's what I think of it. Um, I don't know why I always thought that uh Borns, born, borns, 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 borns. Uh, I did. I, for some reason, I thought he was like a man bun person, but I'm. I'm kind of looks like a man bun dude, right. but his music is not quite as man bunny. Yeah, and I was like, not all dudes with man buns are man bun people, but you know, I'm pretty sure. Like, you, I'm sure you understand. Oh, I know the what, type you're talking about. Yeah, like, I know eventually you're going to have a man bun just from, like, having to have a man bun, but I don't think of you as a man bun, man bun person. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Your feet probably yeah, don't smell, or if your feet do smell, <laughs> you will never let me know. So, right. you don't revel in the smelly feet of what I think man, ben, man bun people might be like. <laughs> so, that's, that's a weird description of man bun people. Sorry. Sorry for anybody I offended, but um, from what I understand, this is just like one guy just making this like really lovely pop indie music and it's all flowy and happy and exceedingly listenable. And it's like a love song, which is, um, it's like, it's just listenable and emotive and pretty and Borns also is hard to nail down as like male or female vocally. So I find that like interesting, like. I don't know. Yeah, I'm also into that too, I think. Yeah, it's like very androgynous. And I think that a lot of people don't lean into androgyny in music because you usually have like super aggressive or super feminine. Um, and, you know, males and females or um, non-binary people can lean into either version of that. But I feel like this um, this is a perfect example of androgyny. If that makes sense. I'm with you. Yeah, this is what Sandman's Desire sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nerdy. We're talking about Neil Gaiman Sandman? Yeah, <laughs> not like a, a horror story or anything like that, but yeah. Right. Um, I went, I kind of threw back a little bit. Uh, I brought Veruca Salt's Used to Know Her.
Once upon a time, I used to randomly hang out with folks, usually just like once. And one of these times I was like hanging out with this girl named Anna Hart, which I really think that's her name. I can't really remember. Did you, do you remember Anna? That's her. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I definitely Good. remember Anna. Okay. So I was like making sure I got her name right, but we didn't hang out much, especially after I left high school. And so she would make art and stuff and she had this like big red Jeep and one time, like, I went and hung out at her house, and then we were driving around listening to Veruca Salt after we'd been goofing off at her house, like, all day. I think it was, like, seriously the only time we actually ever hung out outside of school, but it's, like, this memory burned into my brain as one of, like, the best moments of my teenage life, probably because of the music. Um, she also introduced me to Poe on that day, and I don't know, Veruca Salt is such, like, a grungy yet feminine band, and yet, like... I'm pretty sure this is a torch song, uh, but super catchy, but super grunge. And like, I, I don't know, like how you do like a, a a lovely, pretty torch grunge song. I don't know, but Veruca Salt did it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely pulled it off. Uh, they're, they're one of my favorite of those like mid 90s grungy alternative bands with like the female vocals I've mentioned before is like that particular era and style I'm especially attached to. And both the guitarists in this band share the lead vocal duties, so of course I'm all about the harmonies and the doubled vocals. But they're also kind of unique because both of the guitar players wrote songs for the band, and one of them tended to write the more like darker, more brooding tracks, and then the other one tended to write the more upbeat, happier ones. So between the two of them, you get quite a bit of range from the band, and I think that that versatility probably gave them a much wider appeal than a band like Hole, who pretty much just <laughs> sounded like Hole, you know. And yeah, I, th I think it's funny that you uh, you chose a band that Anna Hart introduced you to because I almost brought Best Coast, who Anna introduced me to. So Anna Hart gets a double shout out this week. She always has a good, I mean, like, I'm not still in contact with her. I don't think she's on the Facebooks, but like, she's got the best music. She always had the best music. Yeah, no, she had great taste in music and uh, actually saw Anna a few months ago. She she visits Memphis every once in a while. Oh, dang. I think I'm going to have to, like, catch a line from you to, like, hang out with her when we're not social distancing because you know her. Yeah, I think she'd be into that. I guarantee you she's got, like, some badass records that we've never heard of before, too, because that's who she is. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Ear Buddies, the Ear Buddies brought the stories this week, Mitchell. Yes, they did. Oh my gosh, there are so many stories and I'm like super excited because I love when like people can share, when people get the feels about like music that they have like in their heart, it makes me just happy and makes me happy and look, I've been up for a long time, so I just get happy. That's what happens. <laughs> I like listen to people's stories. You're, I think delirious might be the word you're looking for. You get delirious. I get delirious. It's like right before bedtime. So it's my nighttime. It's Mitchell's mor morning time. Is it your morning time? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It is. I'm I'm happy that you woke up so early for me. Thank you, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Our first ear buddy is uh, Jesse D, who brought Man Man's Hot Tropique. <laughs> Big and overgrown, more meat to gristle, more muscle he can 
says, my good buddy saw Man Man open for some other band. He came back raving about these weird guys who played a ton of instruments and danced with fake skeletons. I checked him out, shaved my beard into a mustache, and now I'm living the life fantastic. First of all, do you remember when you told me about how you like were first introduced to Ben Ricketts and like he was wearing skeleton pants? Yeah, he's wearing leggings and like a scarecrow hat and uh, had his face yeah. painted and yeah, it was a very visually uh, engaging show. So this story reminds me of that and this is like a weird version of dark jazz that also has lyrics in it and it's fun and bright it's something to chill with while possibly catching tarantulas on animal crossing because that's what <laughs> i do with my spare time now um i think this may be halfway about critters or people or critters that are like people or people that are like critters uh, i don't know anyway is the saxophone gratuitous i think this is good use of a saxophone it's very experimental and it's not like hey listen to me play really great jazz saxophone it's like hey listen to me make weird obnoxious <laughs> noises on a saxophone and it fits into our weird experimental music so it works in this one i think i didn't think they were they were not obnoxious yeah this song I is probably them. one of their least obnoxious songs i would imagine uh yeah <laughs> I, I figured that this would be an excellent example to start the ear buddies section this week because i actually heard man man for the first time through a girl that i dated who in turn heard Man Man from Jesse, who submitted the song this week. So uh, we can actually follow this sort of tangible thread from Jesse's friend who saw Man Man live and had to tell Jesse about him. And then Jesse was so impressed that he passed it along to our friend Jennifer, who then passed it on to me. So one person who was like moved enough by a band that he saw went on to expose at least three other people to that same joy and excitement. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, I've, I've never gotten to see Man Man live myself, but they are a very weird and unique band, both in their musical aesthetic as well as their, as well as their stage aesthetic. Uh, they're a very dancey band, and they use a lot of kitschy instruments. On this one, you'll hear the melodica, which is the little small keyboard that you can play by blowing into a little tube. Uh, and they also use lots of horns, auxiliary percussion, like shakers and tambourines and xylophones and marimbas. And then on top of that, a bunch of like weird electronics and noisemakers. So the final product just becomes the catchiest chaos you've ever heard. And I just have to imagine that you would leave a man-man show either loving their band or hating their band. But I think that sort of polarizing aspect to their music and performance is kind of what made them so damn impressive that their music traveled through three other people to find its way to me and that's a pretty powerful example of sharing music with a friend i think um, but in some way it sounds like musical glitter musical glitter yeah because it just gets stuck to it you gets yeah. everywhere it gets everywhere and it just won't go away <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the best analogy as opposed to anything else that's transmissible to other people. <laughs> like on, on it's like large. a musical venereal disease, you know? It's like, it's you're sharing is caring, no. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Wash your hands, people. Wash your hands. You might get some man-man on you. Um, <laughs> our next year buddy is Lorne, who brought Todrick Hall's Y-A-S. Yes. You ain't shit. Your dog ain't shit, you got a cute nephew, but his uncle a bitch, whoop, whoop. Somebody call the whole police, and your granny ain't shit, makes you rest in peace, cause you done pissed off a petty bitch, a petty bitch, well I hope you fucking ready bitch, get ready bitch, I'ma hack your computer, I'ma egg your house, I don't do cardio, but I'ma run my mouth, I'ma hide in your bushes so you scared to come out, let everybody know that you use me for cloud, cause there's a whole lot of miles on that Honda, you done rolled every Anaconda and Wakanda, you ain't shit, and your mama ain't shit, and your daddy ain't shit, you ain't shit, and your mama ain't shit, 
and your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit, and your mama ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit. You ain't shit. And your mama ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit. 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 You ain't shit. You know who you are. 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 You. She says this song is goofy AF, and I heard it while in my friend Jen Absher's car one day, and we went around singing it, and then thought it would be really awesome to find a video of Titus Andromedon mimicking Beyonce's Hold Up video and sync it to the song. This is now my theme song when I don't want to respond to stuff on the internet. Like that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sing this because. I usually just step back and resist the urge to type, but now I can just like sing this in my head and feel better about not typing something like mean or like fact driven because apparently facts and facts are mean, <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. It was great. And then there's this line, there's a lot of miles on that Honda, which just straight up made me laugh because I got a Honda with a lot of miles on it. And you know, it's mostly just dragging someone. We got a Honda fit. <laughs> yeah. My Honda fit with, um, I think I'm up to 160 something thousand miles on. So, oh, wow. yeah. Hey, I drive my car. There is a lot of miles on that Honda. <laughs> hey, Mitchell, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> No, that's good. That's uh, That means you've taken good care of it. Or now I just don't drive it because I drive my other little Honda all the time. The Scoot Scoot, right. yeah. <laughs> the Scoot Scoot. Yeah, so there's there's obviously something super cool about like your friend handing you a CD or like linking you a, th a song through the internet. But there's just like something next level about riding around in a car with your friend and they play a hype jam like this one that you've never heard. Where not only is it an enjoyable song, but it's got tons of attitude and energy. And that energy just kind of bounces around between you and your friend the more you vibe to it. And you both just get super excited and super pumped. And that makes that positive association with the song even stronger, which in turn sort of reinforces the friendship. And, you know, like, come to think of it, I've heard a lot of my favorite songs from a friend while riding in cars. So I think there's this really beautiful moment of, like, discovery and communion that seems unique to experiencing a song for the first time within that, like, confined space of a car. And you're experiencing it alongside a friend. And that friend put it on with this explicit intention of, like, bonding over how great the song is. And I think those little moments of, like, cosmic communion are, are a huge part of what makes music from a friend so special. You said you said that you heard that song from Anna while riding around in the car too, yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's probably why it's like so memorable. Yeah, there's just something it like concentrates the energy in an interesting way. Yeah. I think I think there's something and to like, that. And like listen to Ver Veruca Salt while the wind windows are down in a Jeep. Oh yeah, definitely. I know it's like the perfect way to like make that memory. And also when you're like 16 or 17 and you don't have your driver's license yet, but your friend has it. It's very empowering. Yeah, it's like liberating. freedom. So, oh, Jenny, Jenny like pulls at my heartstrings this week. Uh, she brought Arcade Fire's Wake Up. Now that I'm
says, one of my good friends in college showed this song to me when I was going through a lot of stuff. Still has a special place in my heart. OMG, this song being introduced to you in college, because I swear to God, that is exactly how it happened to me. Um, it's like, it feels like a fresh of like crisp, cold, invigorating air. It's glorious and it's a perfect wake up, much like the song's title. And like, it's exceedingly hopeful and somewhat mournful. And there's like this chorus that's just singing notes and being united. And it's like, hold your mistake up. I don't know. It's just such a big song. And what was it? This was like uh, the trailer song for Where the Wild Things Are, which, oh my gosh, like, if you don't like the Oh, yeah, book, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, like, it's just, it's such a perfect version because, like, it's a, you're growing up and, like, things are changing and, like, maybe sometimes we're not perfect and let's just enjoy it and, like, be childish at heart where we still are, like, screwing up constantly. But, like, hey, you know what? We all screw up, but don't lose that, like, hopefulness of the next moment of being a child. It's right. so awesome. Uh, this song is so perfect, and the arcade no, fire. It, it is great. Yeah, like, they did such a good job. So do you, do you remember who told you about the arcade fire by chance? An ex-boyfriend. Right, so... He, he was a super hipster who also introduced me to all the other cool bands I know. Yeah, this this song was uh, the Arcade Fire's breakthrough hit, spread like crazy, got him a ton of new fans. And I think it's another great example of, of the power of songs from a friend because I'm pretty convinced that no one has ever discovered Arcade <laughs> Fire on their own. I think everyone just has that hipster friend who told them about Arcade Fire, and then that hipster friend also heard about him from an even hipper friend, and it's just hipsters all the way down in this infinite regression, so... <laughs> yeah, I can I can see uh, I can also see why this song in particular like transmitted so well through people's social circles because it is very anthemic and emotional and just gets increasingly more triumphant as the song goes on. So it really hooks you the moment you hear it that first time. It's just like very spiritual and moving song. So naturally you want to share that experience with someone else. So Yeah, yeah definitely and they great went song. And simplified lyrics too. Yeah. It's just the uh, even I can remember those lyrics. <laughs> I can totally remember those. <laughs> but yeah, I don't such a so who was your hoop, hipster friend that introduced you? Um, I'm wanting to say I honestly I think I've read about Arcade Fire in a paste magazine or something like that. So it was still like it was the writing of a hipster rather than the words of a of a hipster. So. Oh God, they are so paced. It is, but I discovered so much good stuff and like it came with a mix C D. I mean, how can you how awesome is that? I used to get them. It was very enjoyable. Um, our next ear buddy is one of your favorite people to get music from, Lum, who brought Cave In's Retina Seas Rewind.
says, One time, about 10 years ago, I did something that at the time seemed kind of reckless. I was flying across the country to spend a week with some dudes I'd met playing World of Warcraft. That trip changed my life in a lot of ways. I finally found some other humans that saw the world through the same lens of Bill Hicks' absurdity and punk rock fuck-it-all attitude. On the ride from Memphis Airport to Jackson, Mitchell Manley played the Planets of Old EP by Kaven. I knew who Kaven was, even saw them live in the early aughts, but they weren't my thing. That all changed that hour-long ride in Mitchell's Orange Ford Explorer. Since then, we have turned each other onto tons of new-to-us music, and I'm proud to call him my best friend. So, first of all, how fast were you driving, man? For an hour? It was totally, yeah, it was totally normal. You know, it was a, a, a nice 70 miles per hour down the interstate. You know, I, I keep it between the mayo and the mustard. I keep it under the speed limit. The speed limit's 65. No, on the interstate, it's it's 70. <laughs> you, you know, it's 65 for a couple of stretches. Well, my car is, most of my cars, or the two cars I've purchased, are incapable of going that fast without um, rattling. <laughs> and my, my. And so now you think that going that fast is forbidden. <laughs> yeah. And then also, my little Honda Metropolitan, it doesn't even go that fast. It only goes 40 max. So I'm not going that fast. Right. Um, but if you think about it, uh, Retina sees upside down. See what I did there? It doesn't see right. Rewind. So it is it kind of. It. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. But um I need to explore the story more as well. Uh Mitchell, you have not told me that you played World of Warcraft. Oh man, that was a that was a time in my life uh for about a year and a half I'd say um that I played what can only be described as way too much World of Warcraft. I would probably play 10 hours a day. I didn't have a job at the time. It was it was very bad. So, yeah, I was a a night elf druid and i also had a drain shaman that i would play and my shaman was probably my favorite character that i had so yeah world of warcraft i i, I don't regret it because it did lead me to lum and I, I made a lot of cool friendships and it filled a space for me for a little while but uh yeah i spent way too much time was it like that um south park episode there was definitely parts of my experience that were a lot like that south park episode cheesy poofs uh usually it was other snacks uh, i'm not a huge fan of the cheesy poofs but there was definitely uh snacks involved oh i want cheesy poofs now though that's just because <laughs> i'm tired i know it's because i'm tired all right so yeah I, I remember that day very vividly actually uh cave in is one of my all-time favorite bands partially because of their really eclectic sound and they started out as a pretty chaotic sounding metalcore band and over the years they kind of shifted all over the spectrum of rock and metal music going from the blistering fast riffs and the incomprehensible scream vocals to like super accessible almost radio rock comparable to something like the foo fighters and all the while just doing things their own way with their own unique touch uh, but also just constantly alienating fans at the same time. Like hardcore kids hated them because they weren't true hardcore and metalcore kids hated them because they started incorporating the melodic vocals and like spacey parts. And then they got signed to a major label and, and kind of marketed for their more poppy sensibilities. And then even then they're just too weird and too smart for that sort of least common denominator radio rock listener. And I think with Lum coming from, you know, deep within the hardcore scene, he probably heard Cave In and, and was pissed off that they didn't have breakdowns and mosh parts. But I think by the time Lum meets me many years down the line, 
his taste had probably broadened quite a bit. So I think there was just this this confluence of my enthusiasm for the band, plus Lum's newer found open-mindedness, plus the song's just undeniably catchy and heavy and all those elements combined, you know, once again, within that magical space of sharing a super excited car ride with your friends, just really made the song, you know, connect with Lum in the deeper way that, that I did and helped us to forge that, that bond as real life friends. Real cute story. It also helped that you didn't like murder him whenever he arrived randomly to meet friends he didn't know from the internet 10 years ago, which is still like, you know, kind of like, oh, you're going to go hang out with internet friends. Oh yeah, he he was he said he was uh he was pretty worried that we were just gonna abandon him or not show up, and then he had like spent this money flying down to Memphis, and then we were just gonna be like oops a doodle and not show up. But luckily we showed up, and then we've been best friends ever since, and have a magical friendship. Oh, I didn't even met, met, uh, meet my internet friends until 2015 or something. <laughs> I wasn't even as brave as Lum. Lum's super brave. Also, thanks for not being an axe murderer. He is a very brave, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin W. is our next ear buddy. He brings Metallica's My Friend of Misery. I'm taking it back, way back for me at least. I was nine years old. The only music I listened to was stuff my parents listened to. we just moved to Tennessee, but I went to Mississippi to visit my best friend Tim Ter- Terrell for a few days during spring break. We built a treehouse on his property just out into the woods. We carried out the basics we needed in a red wagon and a wheelbarrow, hammers, nails, plywood, and two-by-fours, scraps from a barn his, be- his dad had built and a radio cassette player with a bunch of D batteries. We started pretty early, took a lunch break, probably PB&J with milk, and then finished up the treehouse. It was basically just big enough for two young boys to sit in. It was in a sturdy tree and was probably about 15 to 20 feet in the air, which that is terrifying. That's just me speaking. Um, (laughs) We hauled up the radio, which we had been listening to intermittently, oldies and old country, about all you could pick up out in the sticks at the time. As we got settled into the treehouse to look over our creation, Tim slides this cassette out of his pocket and drops it into the cassette deck, pushes play, and hands me the liner notes to read the lyrics. My young mind was blown. This wasn't like the hair bands I'd heard his older sister listening to. This was the very beginning of me liking what I liked. I know it's silly to say that about one of the best-selling albums of all time, 
But shoot, I didn't know that. I didn't know the band or their history. I mostly knew Footloose, The Beatles, and Dire Straits. I got my parents to buy the, me the album with a dual cassette recorder for my birthday, which was the next month or so. And good thing, too, because Tim's religious dad smashed his copy after hearing the lyrics on God That Failed, so I had to make him a copy. Over the next year, I checked out copies of Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets from the library and made dubs for both of us as well. I bought as many blank cassettes as I could and started recording songs off the radio, making mixes for myself and friends. I was glued to the radio most afternoons after that. I didn't have MTV or music magazines yet, so I sat waiting, ready to hear the DJ say they were going to play something new or something I liked. I spent hours calling in to request songs I'd heard on MTV at friends' houses to get them recorded. I'm sure you all have similarly uh, similar stories, but this this song, this was what started when Tim Terrell pushed play on that cassette deck roughly 28 years ago. My tastes have grown and changed over the years, but so much can be traced back to that moment in the woods with my best friend just being innocent kids. The intro still gives me chills. Dude, so this this is like the perfect example of why this show is perfect for our show because of the story that goes to this. And who does, like, first of all, Justin, um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Lars Ulrich doesn't like when people record his music and share it with their friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, there's beginnings in here. There's mixtapes, which I love. Um, there's friendship, building a tree house, and like, there's Metallica. And I think at this point, like, the story of him finding out about Metallica is more important than the song and Metallica as a band. Because, seriously, all great bands are this, right? I mean, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, as far as the music goes, like, what's left to say? It's Metallica. Either you like the Black Album or you don't, and that's a debate for another day. But, yeah, I think Justin's story kind of says everything there is to be said for the power of sharing music with your friends. Like, having his friend show him Metallica at that formative age and within the context of, of you know, celebrating this, this shared achievement of building a treehouse. And the music carried a little bit of extra weight that day and brought him even closer to his friend. And then... From that pivotal moment, Justin starts developing his own tastes and sharing music with his friends as they're developing their taste, and just this self-reinforcing web of, of great music and self-discovery, and uh, not unlike the Hokey Pokey, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Do you remember that one time you, like, slid this, like, weird older kid at, in high school, like, this, like, ska mix? I remember it very well. <laughs> it's kind of the same. I, like, I realize now the reason what we're, like, we're probably still making this show together is because you, I knew you knew about music because you handed me that CD in high school, which yeah, no, you're right. shockingly is it's getting closer and closer to being 20 years ago. Yeah. Let's not Just, think about that. <laughs> it's, it, it's terrifying in many, many ways. Um, our last ear buddy for this uh, really excellent show of stories is John S who brings chairlifts bruises. I grabbed some frozen strawberries so I could ice your bruising knees. But frozen things, they all unfreeze, and now I taste like all those frozen strawberries. I used to chill your bruising knees. Hot July ain't good to me, I'm pink and black and blue. I got bruises on my knees for you, and grass stains on my knees for you. Got holes in my new jeans for you, got pink and black and blue. 
says, I guess this will be uh, songs from a girlfriend in this case, but we were friends before we dated, so this counts. This one's got a simple rhythm and it gets weirder every time you listen to. What with the ambient song running in the background, lyrically, it's pretty simple as well, but it's a love song. It doesn't need a lot of work. Shelby's my favorite person to hang out with. She's smart, she's funny, and she's like cool. she likes cool music and movies. She's amazing, and I wouldn't spend quarantine with anyone else. I just love this. Like, I really do just love this. Um, the song is great. The fact that he's like has a best friend that he, you know, is with now that they're like quarantined together, which stay strong, man. We got like another month or two months or three months, a lot of months of this. Oh, so keep those feelings together for Shelby. Um, there's this little beat in the back that kind of calls back to Daniel Johnston music, it w just with the simplicity and the fact that it almost feels like super homemade, not like studio recorded. It's cute. It's melodic. There's some harmonies and hang claps, and it's like slowly building into this like intricacy that is just, it's a sneaky, it's just sneak sneaks. And it's just straight <laughs> up sunshine. I just love it. It's very, very good. Uh, you know, one of the best things in a romantic relationship, for me at least, is like bonding over music. So I'm kind of curious how much music taste matters to the average person in their romantic relationships. Like for me, it's it's not like it's the top of the list and you don't have to match my tastes completely, but I feel like there's a certain level of connection to music that leads people like us and the ear buddies to kind of seek out new music and not just settle for the radio and the classics. And I think that having that deeper passion for music is usually a pretty good indicator that, that we would have other values in common as well. And of course, as, as fulfilling as it can be to find music that you share with a friend, it seems even more significant to bond with a romantic partner over music. You know, when a partner makes it a point to show you something new, uh, it's usually with this silent implication that they know you and they know what kind of stuff you're into and, and what kind of stuff you really like. And this song either made them think of you or it had such an impact on them that they were excited to share that with you. And, you know, when you listen to it and it really does connect with you, just hits even harder because you feel seen and appreciated and you feel like someone has this special access to your heart and they just gave you this perfect gift. And, you know, I know we all have different love languages, but I think bonding over music is definitely one of mine. Aww. It reminds me of, um, I think it was, uh, you know, the song I'm Sticking With You from the Velvet Underground? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, playing that for Dakota and him getting, like, emotional, which he's not... Uh, he's not like me. I'm highly emotional about stuff, but like he, he yeah, say Dakota's rather stoic, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, I, I totally need. He, he smiles, but he's not emotive in in a outward way. Really, he's just like you can tell in his face if he's happy, but otherwise he's just like very stoic in, with his voice and things, which is cool. And his like low key jokes are like the most hilarious things in the world because you have no idea that he's making a joke, but they are absolutely hilarious jokes, and I love them. But like. I knew that I'd, I'd shared a good song because he got, like, emotional about it because I was like, oh, and I, I just like that. And that, that reminds me a little bit of, like, uh, John and Shelby's, like, stories. Like, oh, you guys can bond. I don't know. I feel it's the delirium, isn't it? Is it the delirium? <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Now, there's something to it, but it's also mixed in with delirium, I think. <laughs> so um, you can tweet at us. I'm at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolite, and the show is at Andy Pod. You can reach us on the Facebooks. Uh, that's where we build our show. It's Earbuds and Earworms podcast group, where everybody is hanging out during this quarantine. <laughs> 
quarantine time, so you might as well make it a productive session of staring at your phone by suggesting songs. Um, you can uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email the show, andypod at gmail.com, and you can also check out show pictures and show descriptions on andypod.com, part of the 10710 network, where I'm still trying to figure out how to upload the tracks appropriately. <laughs> but I really think that just the website doesn't like me at this point. It's hurting my feelings, Aww. but I'm trying. I'm trying every day. <laughs> what is our final song this week? I'm going to leave us with Bee Badoobie and her song, Are You Sure? Yeah, I feel like it's only appropriate for, for us to end this episode on a song from an artist that I discovered from you, Amy. Uh, I, think, I think a lot like my buddy Chris, who I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you, don't get, uh, you don't get the chance to get one over on me very often. So I want to make sure to celebrate the triumph of, of putting me on to Bee Badoobie. Uh, a couple of months ago on our coffee-themed episode, you brought her song Coffee, which I enjoyed a lot. But as I mentioned on that episode, uh, I quickly found out that that sweet little acoustic song that you brought was, was actually her first song that she ever wrote and that she had grown quite a bit musically since then. Uh, her current output is a little bit heavier and more eclectic. Uh, in this song, she seems to be drawing musically from bands like My Bloody Valentine and Dinosaur Jr., with the vocals being much more present and polished, which gives her, her grungy, shoegazy sound a little bit of an indie pop edge, really lets her words and her personality shine through the haze while, while still bringing that ruckus with the grimy guitar tones. So Amy inadvertently shared Beba Doobie with me, and now hopefully I can hook some of you guys up as well with Beba Doobie and her song, Are You Sure?
Hold on. Hold on. Dakota keeps calling me. Darling? Yeah. I'm recording right now. <laughs> 